Be Coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant, located at 1515 Southeast 17th Street Causeway in Fort Lauderdale. Here, you'll feel part of the yachting tradition of South Florida as you experience the Boatyard's hooked-table, seafood-eccentric menu with fresh catches listed by name of the fisherman who caught them. The Boatyard's open kitchen is also known for premium grilled cuts of meat and a menu that's sourced from local ingredients. Sit inside in modern nautical-themed rooms or dockside and watch the boats cruise by as you enjoy lunch, dinner, and Sunday brunch. Monday through Friday, the locals know that the Boatyard's happy hour is the best place to gather for bar bites and handcrafted cocktails at great prices. And don't miss out on Ladies' Night every Thursday. Call ahead to book your reservation today at 954-525-7400. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Captain Jeff. Welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. I'm in a pretty, um, pretty decent mood considering you know, the situations we're in right now. I... Um, Recently started new uh, podcast series, uh, well, the Mentors, the Mentorship podcast series. We're going to go over the different mentors that um, they've had over the years. You know, one of the things that we noticed that one of the most commonly asked questions in a lot of the uh, outdoor podcasts are about mentorship. So we decided to do the whole series on it. In the first series, um, in the first episode of the series... I did one on Sam Cardinelli down there in um, Gloucester, Massachusetts in the 70s where we grew up there bluefin tuna fishing. And that was probably not only the first mentor that we had or that I had or that I knew about, it was also probably the shortest, meaning we only hung out with Sam we were only at the marina with Sam for maybe three seasons. Although we did, uh, we did keep in contact with him because my dad was building custom sport fishing boats and going to the boat shows. And um, we would see Sam and we'd see his son Jason with him most of the time because Jason stayed into the fishing world. And was, um, yeah, even today, has a uh, successful charter business up in uh, Jupiter, Florida. And the name of his boat is Samana. But anyway, he was uh, he was the first of the mentors, but he was definitely, it was a, a, a short-lived, you know, he was the one that introduced us, that got us going, that made us, you know, start to realize, you know, the whole art and world of sport fishing. But the second guy I want to talk about, man, what a great person. But um, he was not only one of my first mentors but definitely the longest relationship like I fished with this guy oh man up until up until I became full-time pro about 18 years ago but until that time um I think I met Walt Jennings Walt Jennings is the guy that um meant so much to me and my fishing experiences over my lifetime see walt <clears throat> walt was a real fishing enthusiast and he had a, a mako fishing boat and back in the um, early 80s 
Mako is a fairly small company, family-owned company. And um, the people that own Mako's, you know, had a pretty tight network of fishermen. And they did what they called a Mako's Owner's Tournament. And the Mako's Owner's Tournament was put on by the different Mako dealers up and down the coast. And then we did a couple out in the Bahamas every single year. Um, but it was it was pretty unique, um, and it was it was very well organized. And um, Walt Jennings brought his Mako to Salt Shaker Marine, which was my dad's company, and he wanted to trick it out for fishing. And he was explaining to my dad, you know, how he wanted his Mako and where he wanted his rod holders and how he wanted his fishing drawers and you know these a lot of details that went into customizing a. 25 foot Mako um, brackets live wells all sorts of stuff and um, as Walt came to my dad for accessories and for tricking out his boat he was also doing the Mako's owners fishing tournament schedule which was a lot of tournaments I mean we fished from Key West to Massachusetts into the Caribbean in the Mako's Owners Tournaments back in the day. And Walt would pick out eight or nine tournaments a year that he'd participate in. And um, actually met him at a Mako's Owners Tournament. I, I want to I say we were up in New Jersey. Uh, Bricktown, New Jersey. I want to say we were doing a Mako's Owners Tournament and we were fishing for Mako Shark in New Jersey. And um, we caught some Mako sharks over the years um, when we were tuna fishing. But we never, you know, really went after them and targeted them for sport. But they were doing this off the coast of New Jersey. They were having these big tournaments. And Mako decided that they were going to have a tournament. And it was like Tuppence Marine, I want to say it was. Um, that was the dealer down there. And um, I met Walt Jennings. And... Um, Walt didn't actually fish with us in that tournament. I, we fished with a different group of people, but I met Walt at that tournament. And um, Walt was planning on doing a sailfish tournament in Palm Beach from Sailfish Marina, like, the following month. And at the Mako's tournament in New Jersey, Walt asked me if I'd like to fish with him in, uh, in Palm Beach the following month or the next month after that. I can't remember offhand but this was the first time that I um first time I ever you know decided I was going to fish with somebody else beside my dad or my family in a tournament type situation always before um you know I realized I was probably 15 years old so any other prior experience I had was um you know fishing with my family or fishing you know with my dad, basically, you know, especially in salt water, or it was the customers that, you know, my dad would meet and we would build boats for and build accessories for us, towers, put outriggers, electronics, fighting chairs, you name it, we'd put it on boats. If it was for fishing, you could get it, you know, at Salt Shaker. And people would come from all over to trick the boats out. So that's how the whole thing worked. And the following month, um, 
I'd never fished in a real sailfish tournament before. Didn't know anything about kite fishing. Matter of fact, kite fishing was barely even written about, you know, in the early 80s. It was pretty new. And um, Walt was explaining to me that the game plan was to go to Palm Beach and get live blue runners. And then we were going to go out and fly a kite right off the coast and catch multiple sailfish. And that was the name of the game for the sailfish tournaments. And this was a sailfish tournament. It was a Mako's owners tournament, but it was, I mean, yeah, there were 30, 40 boats in these tournaments. They were good tournaments. Well run. Man, I can remember they were well run. What the hell was the name of that guy that was running the tournaments? Oh, he was so good. Oh, I'll think of his name in a little bit. But the Mako's owner tournaments were, were, were really a big deal. And if, you know, 30, 40 Mako owners, and if you won, you know, it was a cool network of people, and people knew. I mean, big people in the industry, too. You know, um, Mike Leach was in those tournaments back in the days. Tom Green was in those tournaments back in the days. Um, George Pavaramo was in those tournaments back in the days. He, hell, he's still with Mako now. Um, shit, I'm losing my memory now, but, I mean, there was a lot of dudes that fished in the Mako's owner's tournaments. And um, I started fishing them at Walt. So we go down, and um, first time I ever kite fished, and uh, Walt's basically teaching me everything I need to know, and um, pretty new to me, and we start catching sailfish. Now, we didn't win the tournament or anything, but I think as a junior, I was able to place in a couple of awards, so I learned how to kite fish. I got to fish out of Palm Beach for my first time. I got to fish in my first billfish, or sailfish tournament, I should say. I fished in Marlin tournaments before, but that was my first sailfish tournament. And um, then I was lucky enough to be able to go to the banquet, which was at like at the Palm Beach Yacht Club. And man, was that fancy. And I was hanging out with Walt Jennings. And if you want to do some research on Walt Jennings, I don't know, Google his name or whatever. But he was a avid fisherman, of course. Um, but he was a full-time banker when I met him. But he was a journalist also. He made, he wrote articles, uh, Fly Fishing Magazine, The Fly Fisherman, I forget, um, different freelance articles for different fishing magazines. But, I mean, he was into it. I mean, he was really into the fishing. And... Um, I don't know. As soon as we finished up the uh, Palm Beach tournament, the Mako's Owners tournament was going on in Isla Mirada, and Walt wanted to do that tournament. So then Walt asked me if I wanted to do that. Two months later, we're, we're doing the Isla Mirada tournament, and that's more of like a dolphin and uh, tuna type, you know, meat fishing type tournament. And um, Walt brings me along. And. Um, this goes on and on and on through college all the way up to like, I don't know, call it 1993 or four. And then the Mako's Owners Tournament thing kind of falls to pieces a little bit. Uh, we start, um, I don't know, things change over the years. Mako sold out. The family that owned Mako, the Shrepkis back in the old days, you know, it was family run in the the owner's tournament promotion that they did was money in the bank. People loved it. <coughs> but um, we may go then, I don't know, sold hand a few times. Now, you know, some big 
giant company like Bass Pro Shop has them or something like that. Totally different in the old days with Mako Marine. I remember the Schwebke family very well. We built a lot of accessories. Salt Shaker made a ton of accessories for uh, Mako Marine back in the 80s and 90s. As a matter of fact, if you owned a 28-foot Mako and you had the half tower or full tower on that, and that was made by Salt Shaker Marine. And there was a ton of those 28s around. But anyway, Mako Marine was totally different back then. And um, the years go on on official Walt, and we do all sorts of different fishing. We start doing Bahama trips with, um, with my dad and some of the Salt Shaker boats that we had. And uh, we did some West End trips, and we went over to Treasure Key, fished all through there. And... Um, Walt was able to start teaching me the art of saltwater fly fishing, which I didn't know much about, wasn't really that into before, but he showed me the other side to that because he, he was into fly fishing, but he was also into all the other stuff, both all the sport fishing, but also fly fishing. And he wrote for Fly Fishing Magazine, so he was kind of into it, and he taught me about the different people in the scene. He was the first one that told me about Andy Mill, He's, you know, Chico Fernandez and Stu Apt. And, you know, he was telling me who all these people were, Flip Pallet, you know. And he's explaining, you know, where they fit in and um, what they were doing and so on and so forth. But um, Walt would always take the time to spend first the Mako fishers, Fishing Tournaments, you know, with me. And then he would schedule his fishing excursions that he wanted to do with me. And we fished together for, man, right up until like 2005. Yeah. And um, the last, say, decade we fished together, it was almost all inshore. I was getting into the tarpon and the big snook. Walt had an egret at the time, so we'd spend a lot of time on his egret. We'd go to the Keys. We'd go to Big Pine Key. Do a lot of fly fishing back then. Chukalusky, Goodland. Um, man, he took me to Sarasota Bay. He took me to Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte for my first time. Walt lived over in Sarasota, so he was pretty familiar with the whole west coast of Florida, which I'd never seen any of before. And I don't know. Walt was a weird dude. He wasn't exactly like, act like your, you know, biggest chum. He wasn't like a huge conversationist. I mean, you could spend two days at Walton Fish and literally say almost nothing. And it was perfectly fine. I liked it. I thought it was cool. And then when you, know, when you did talk, you know, he did say something, you know, he was usually pretty good. The quality over quantity type thing. But Walt, being a writer, being a fishing enthusiast, being in the industry, kind of would explain to me how the industry worked, where everybody fit in, how people did their promotions, which companies actually fished, which companies were just shell companies, and I don't know. By the time I was 20, 22 years old, you know, this whole marine industry 
and the way the tournaments worked and the way the boats worked and the way the dealers worked and the way the boat shows worked. You know, it wasn't like a huge community back then. So you really kind of had a, a relationship. You had a grip. You had a, a you know, one-on-one -on -one with, you know, all sorts of different people. And it was a small industry at the time. And a lot of that time I spent with Walt Jennings to bonefish on the flats, um, brown water fishing, fly fishing, fly fishing at night in Goodland. I mean, he exposed all these things to me. And um, as I grew and I got older, the relationship changed a little bit, although we kept fishing together. At this point, he was recommending me to other journalists, like when they needed to get their photos and stuff. You know what I mean? Or if they needed an article or information. Um, you know, he was trying to, you know, promote me. He was promoting my part-time guy business when I did it, you know, part-time before I went full-time. And then when I went full-time, he was, um, he was behind me all the way. He was helping me get corporate relationships. Um, he was teaching me how to market myself as a guide. This is before, you know, social media or anything like that. This is the old days when you were negotiating and, um, how do you say it, jogging, you know, for position to just get into a magazine or get your photo into a magazine or just a clip or just a quote, you know, TV or fishing magazine at the time was pretty much all you could do. The only other thing you could do was do tournaments and be seen, you know, out there. Um, but Walt, you know, he was into this. And um, he was intricate, man. He was intricate. And the whole way my fishing um, outlook on life developed. You know what I mean? Like, I was able to see it through the eyes of somebody that was in there. And kind of somebody from the outside out looking in saying, okay, this is where different people fit in. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, that's the way it was. He could always, he could always count on me to do whatever freaking fishing excursion he wanted to do. And we caught a ton of fish over the years. A lot of my good fishing buddies, you know, we set up fishing excursions and most of us, you know, were in our 30s at the time and Walt was probably in his late 50s at the time. But we hung out for the common purpose, you know. We all wanted to fish. We wanted to experience the things. And um, when you were with Walt, you just never thought for one second that you couldn't do anything. I still keep in touch with him today, but I don't know. I went full-time, you know, full-time fishing about 18 years ago. And one of the, one of the saddest things about going full-time fishing is, is you lose a lot of, uh, a lot of relationships that you had, you know, before because, you know, there's only so many days you could stay on the water. So you have to sacrifice some of the recreational days and some of the days that meant so much to you, you know, 
but it's all good. It's all good. I don't know. I hope you guys learned a little bit about Walt Jennings. Um, thank God for people in life like Walt, because I know for a fact that um, there's a lot of good people out there, you know, that take young people under their wing and do the right thing with them and try to inspire them, try to teach them, try to pass on traditions. Well, Walt Jennings is a special person to me. Walt taught me so much, told me how to handle things in certain situations. Taught me about destination fishing, about taking your boat, getting on a trailer, making a plan. Just a great person. And I never would have experienced fishing the way I've been able to experience over my lifetime without these people like Walt, mentors. Guys that made it priority to make sure that you, the young, the youth, would learn. That's the second, second episode of um, the Mentor series with the Lunker Dog. I hope you enjoyed it. Run that dog. This is a podcast by real guys for real guys. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to the Lunker Dog's Real Guy Show. And run that dog. <laughs>